All right, we will go ahead and call tonight's meeting to order. Are there any changes to the agenda? Yeah. Under consent items that were approved or busted on the one that went to the media, and then the pictures that that's been taken off. So we know busted tonight. Entertain a motion having entrance and exit interviews with staff until the elementary there's an entrance um, interview for staff who would have just begun this year and so there's some data that they've included in that you know one of the issues that they're at least satisfying is still some discipline problems that we continue to work with and somebody marked pay they didn't like our pay here apparently um, Somebody thought there were too many people to report to. Um, down at the bottom, um, immediate supervisor, something that we should consider for the behavior team. We're looking at um, kind of a behavior intervention type position at the element to make sure that's one of the positions we have posted. So as, as we do the exit interviews for those who are leaving, make sure that we do some comparison of that, that information. Right, there were a couple articles. When we do the needs assessment, there was some question about what do we do for professional development. So uh, Tammy Vine has written uh, what we're doing with executive functions, some optimal learning environment. I've asked Beth to post those periodically on the web page. I think I sent them to Dale if he could open them. So if he Got a short week and that needs some filler. We could put them in the paper and we'd appreciate it. But just some information about some of our professional stuff. <clears throat> All right. Good. And we have conferences tonight. So Becky and, and Danny are in their respective buildings with conferences, but they have their reports in the, uh, to the agenda. Uh, Kevin's here. And so he can address uh, his report with the board. And then I'll talk a little bit about the calendar information. Um, my board report really has three main parts to it. Um, the first one is uh, something that I'm working with our with our 7 through 12 staff, and it's a Google Doc that I've created called our Journey Toward 2022-23. And uh, it started when we met with all the 7th through 12th grade staff members. 
And uh, we asked them four questions. Um, one was, uh, what are you excited about the transition? What concerns do you have? Uh, what questions do you have? And the last one was, how, how will you help us bring these two buildings together? And so I took that information and put that into a Google Doc. And uh, what you can see now is there's some questions and answers there. And that's really my communication tool. Uh, so staff members have editing rights too. So all of a sudden they have a question. Um, I'll check that periodically. And that way they feel like they have a voice in this process. And they've asked very legitimate questions about things that are going to happen. Uh, and the other thing that happened that does question about, oh, I hadn't thought about that. And those are, that just maintains communication. So the first part of that is just question and answers. Uh, and um, then after that, then uh, included, what are you most excited about as we transition to a 712 building? And they can see that. And we, we haven't added much to that. That was just based on our conversations with, with those staff members. And then what questions, concerns do you still have? And then the last one is how will you assist in bringing these two buildings together? So it's just something that, that, that uh, like I said, the more I can communicate and the more I can answer questions for them, it just releases some of that stress uh, as we think about bringing the two buildings together. Uh, and then so at our last PD day on Wednesday, then we went over this and just kind of discussed some of the different things that were popping up and stuff like that too. So um, I think the staff feels like they're being heard uh, and that, that they have a way that they can talk to, to Denny and I in this. Uh, the second part is we have PD on February 16th, as I just said. And so we presented uh, similar to what uh, Andy Vine talked about with executive functions. Um, we basically created SMART goals. And so the seventh and eighth grade team sat down, looked at the data they had from the survey that we've given to kids about what do they feel like they struggle with the most? Um, social emotional control, organization, prioritization, time management, you name, there was 10 or 12. Well, four of them kind of rose to the top. One was social emotional control. Second one was organization, third was prioritization, the fourth one was time management. So based on that, then the seventh, eighth graders, seventh, eighth grade team and our ninth grade team, 10th, 11th and 12th grade team made SMART goals and how they're going to address one of those executive functions. So uh, that's what they're working on and they'll, they'll use their rater time at the middle school and the uh, advisor advisee time here to address some of those, those things. And all of them came up with, with uh, we call them teacher goals. We didn't do any student goals yet. Uh, student goals will be coming next year. This year we're focused on what can teachers be doing. Uh, sometimes teachers feel like they don't have a lot of control on some of these things. And so SMART goals begin to kind of get them thinking about what control do I have? And I think that's gonna be a powerful piece of what we're trying to do. And then um, the, after, the afternoon session was just basically the rollout. Uh, Mr. Cruz uh, gave a tour of the building and talked about the construction updates. Uh, Megan Dooley uh, explained to our, the 712 staff what the schedule's gonna look like. So each teacher knows what they're teaching. Uh, and that was a big one. That was like ripping the Band-Aid off here uh, at that point in time. And so she explained to them before she gave them the, the schedule, she talked to, to them about the process it takes to create a seven through 12th grade schedule. It's not you just plugging stuff in and just kind of going willy nilly. Uh, there's a process that you do. And some teachers I think think, well, can I move this class to this period? Well, when you do that, it completely throws the whole schedule into 
to this array. So she, I asked her to explain that process so they understand this isn't something that happens in 20 minutes. This takes Megan hours, hours of time trying to get kids plugged in where they need to go. So she did that. Uh, like I said, we reviewed our journey towards 2023 document. Um, we had some other communication that our funds committee, which is composed of several teachers at the high school and they're asking middle school teachers to belong to it also. They we did something at the very end of the day. Um, and it was just basically to bring the two groups together. And so they did like a scavenger hunt in the building. So they're divided up into teams. The winner got a little plaque, but the winning team got a little plaque that they can share amongst themselves, winner of the funds can do something or something or other. But they had to do something in all five different five different parts of the building. So they're getting used to working together and anything we can do, get them used to each other, that's gonna be a bonus in our, in our direction. Uh, my last thing is, uh, uh, Sarah Villegas and I took 25 students to, uh, to Central Community College here last week. Uh, 16 of the students went uh, for the Visual Arts Discovery Day, Career Discovery Day, and that's dealing with broadcasting, uh, web design, graphic design, that kind of stuff. And I took nine students uh, to uh, Transportation Day, where they were going to learn about um, uh, auto tech, diesel mechanic, uh, uh, Truck driving, and there's a fourth thing. I think it's the fourth one. Anyway, so getting them kind of, I guess, acquainted and, and asking some of those questions about what their careers might be. Uh, and the awesome thing about like the auto tech program is they're part of a it's called dollars for scholars, you know, last dollars for scholars. And so what that is is if you're in a high needs area, AKA auto tech, um, diesel tech construction, electrical tech is tuition free right now. Um, and so they're really pushing for parents and students to look into what are some of those areas that you're interested in, but we don't have enough workers. And they're begging for people like that. And it was great. Uh, like I said, the nine kids asked really, really good questions. We actually gave us conversation topics as well. So I was pleased with, with having the honor to take those kids down there and they were well behaved. So that's that's positive. Any questions for me? I just say I appreciate you sharing these comments about oh. bringing the buildings together and letting us speak. It was really helpful to kind of see where we're at in the process. It was for me. Happy to do it. Sorry. Oh. I don't know, a while back, I sent out a survey to the community about the calendar included community members, students, and staff. Uh, community members did not like early offs or late starts. Um, what you're gonna see here is a little bit of a blend. Staff members were split, but probably um, liked late starts, early outs, and students actually favored trying late starts or early outs. And so last year, um, when we built the calendar, it had 10 full days of in-service. So I'm just going to walk you through. At the beginning of the calendar, those first three days are for new staff. That's for our onboarding materials for staff. And then the three days in yellow, that is for the remainder of the staff to return. So the items in yellow would be the full day in-services. And I 
after working through and listening to the administrative team on Friday, working through um, different ideas with Donita today, I cut it down to eight full days instead of 10. The days in red, I've incorporated, um, I don't know, seven or eight uh, early outs. A couple of them, you look at Thanksgiving and around spring break where Easter's at, I put it right before we left for a break. So the staff would stay the full day, but the kids could start a couple hours earlier on those days. The original calendar when we had it, when we looked administratively, had us coming back on the 30th, the day after Memorial Day. So the changes that, that Donita and I made today, I took a bit away a day at Christmas that I originally had in my first draft. I also took away a day at Easter and I incorporated a few early outs. And so what you'll see on this calendar is the 23rd of May being the last day of school without barring any snow days. That gives us three days before Memorial Day that we could have snow days. I also incorporated a small break in February because I've heard loud and clear that it gets long between January and Easter. So there's the conference comp day. And then I took the President's Day off the Monday after that. So there'd be four days off for staff and for students. Then. Okay. Now I put that President's, President's Day as the fourth makeup day though. So that way we would still, if we missed a bunch of snow, we would still get out early before Memorial Day. But if we miss more than four days, then we'd have to make up days after Memorial Day. So you can look at this in greater detail. Uh, we might have some edits that we need to correct. So if you see something, surely let us know. But one of our plans would be next month to hold the calendar hearing at our board meeting in March. Then. As far as hours on the calendar, it is almost identical to the same number of hours that we had last year. So instead of having 10 full days, it has eight full days that I've sprinkled in some early outs. Are there any questions or concerns? What are the hours that have to be done? 1080. 1160. So we have plenty of, you know, we have heat days or late starts for weather. We've got plenty of, and again, that's, so for students, it's 1080, but our teachers are on a day contract and they have 185 days. It's very difficult to get done before Memorial Day if you have all the, the full day in services. The late starts, you can still count that as a student instructional day. It's less number of hours on the day, but you can count that as a day and then the two hours for the teacher. Yeah, I hope it's a decent mix and the Principals haven't seen this updated version, so I'll share that with them, you know, tomorrow or the next time we have an administrative meeting. Then a little update on construction. So at the elementary building, the uh, cabinets are in, um, paintings done for the most part. Um, they are, I think we're basically down to flooring stuff in a lot of places. And so as Jackie and I were visiting about the meeting tonight, uh, one option would be to move either next month or the following month a SAC so you can 
we take a look now that it's getting light on again. Um, and then we can also look here at the high school on the opposite one. Here at the high school, they're getting ready to pour the commons on Wednesday and Thursday uh, this week. A lot of the duct work is done, painting on walls, that is done, except for areas that there's still condensation coming from outside walls. So um, the commons area, once they get the flooring board, then it'll be up to the ceiling. The hoods in the kitchen are in place. He's pushed it back slightly, but he still says here he'd be done by the 4th of July. And we're still targeting the 1st of June at the We've not had any great delays yet on products. I, I think, again, we have been very fortunate. We get good interest rates. We hit it before prices started to go up. And we also have still been able to get product for the most part. No? Yeah. Are there any questions for me? Yes, is this spot to the yeah, we'll we'll show it and there has to be a hearing, but we can show that, you know, one site. Well, it's on Okay. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Next we have our famous Kelly Muggenberg. Not about that, but yes, you are. Okay. I gotta stand. I get nervous otherwise. All right, um, I am proposing that the district look into having a therapy barn that can be utilized in the elementary building and possibly in the seven through 12 building. Um, I have for some research for you, but as Mr. Cruz was saying, we have definite behaviors in our building and a lot of social emotional needs that therapy dogs have been researched to show that they are beneficial in a, or helping with those needs. Um, I currently have a two-year-old golden doodle. So he's hypoallergenic. Um, he lives at home with my four and seven-year-old, pestering him all the time. So he's very accommodating to children. And a passion of mine has always been to have a therapy dog, to train one myself. So when I came across Scout and had his demeanor evaluated, it was a good fit. We went to Des Moines to a dog training place down there and they checked him out. They messed with his paws and his tail and stuff and he passed that test. So it'd just be a matter of getting him trained, which is about a seven to nine month process. Um, so on the front of the sheet that I handed out to you, this is from Charlotte's Litter. That was an organization that was created after the Sandy Hook school shooting. One of the students who was a victim of that shooting, her name was Charlotte and she was an avid animal lover. So her family, after the shooting, when they had different resources coming in, some of them being therapy dogs, her family took that and made a nonprofit organization out of it. So the research shows um, these six main things or five main bullets, the physical benefits of having an animal, not necessarily a dog, but having an animal reduces your blood pressure provides tactile stimulation, assists with pain management, gives motivation to move, walk, and stimulates the senses. Therapy dogs are not only used in schools, they're also used in hospitals. So that's where you see a lot of the physical benefits. Social, which we definitely know is a need for our young kids. 
A visit with a dog provides a positive mutual topic for discussion, promotes greater self-esteem and well-being, and focused interaction with others. In talking with the Storm Lake Middle School principal, they have a therapy dog in their building, and also one of the teachers in the Alta Aurelia district who has two therapy dogs that come to school, they mentioned how the dogs can be used as a role play. I have a student that is working on some social anxiety, being able to sit and practice with a dog who's not able to respond to them, but builds their confidence to be able to vocalize what they need to. Um, cognitive functions, it provides companionship, which helps with memory problem solving and game playing. An emotional benefit is that it improves self-esteem, acceptance from others, and lifts moods, often provoking laughter. I can tell you, just in our home alone, with my kids interacting with their dog, there are a lot of giggles that happen. And um, the last one would fit more of a hospital setting, the environmental, even a sterile environment. <clears throat> On the back side, I found um, a research paper that looked at 30 different articles, books, chapters, just different publications that were connected to therapy dogs. They talked about the reading benefits when students can read to a dog and building confidence through that domain, as well as the social emotional. But the social emotional was probably the biggest one. It allowed for those positive social and emotion skills. Um, children would form social groups around the dog with maybe peers that they often wouldn't identify with. And it also improved attendance. Um, their attitudes about school. I know a lot of the kids I work with, because school is a challenging place for them, oftentimes they just, they don't like school. And at, you know, eight, nine years old, that's scary to hear them say. So, um, and even the Storm Lake principal commented that he saw a lot of attendance rates go up when they knew their dog was scheduled to be in their classroom because it was dog day. So they wanted to be at school. So creating a positive environment our data specifically, we have 26 students in K through six seen by a counselor through counselor or counseling services, LLC. I have 15 students that I give direct instruction on for social and academic skills. We have 70 students or nearly 70 students that are seen for reading interventions. So with a therapy dog, we might be able to tap that number down as well. I have 12 students that I see on a probably a bi-daily basis just working on some of those social emotional check-ins and regulations. We have 16 students that have behavior or adaptive behavior goals. Um, behavior goals tend to be more physical um, outbursts, whereas the adaptive behaviors have a lot of special skills. And then those are just the students that we have identified. I can think of a lot more that fly under the radar, probably demonstrate some anxiety, but they just don't show it or say it a whole lot. So, I definitely think a therapy dog could be beneficial in our district, and I am willing to kind of take that on and spearhead it. So what's the training process? Um, it is, like I said, seven to, or six to eight months, seven to nine, I can't remember for sure off the top of my head. It would be in Ames every weekend, so I would be willing to do that. They work first on um, individual skills with the dog. It's one-on-one -on -one with a trainer. Once they kind of graduate the basic obedience, then they move into group classes where there's a lot of distractions. They will intentionally 
have people in the park drive by honking or kids playing here and there and the dog has to stay focused on the handler. One thing I think is really interesting is they train the dog to only acknowledge people when it's invited. So if I had him here with me tonight and he was trained, he would not be able to approach anyone else unless they welcomed him to him. And who does this training? It's called elite dog training. Um, and they're just the, the training for it. If I had more skills in dog training, I could do it myself. He has to pass the canine good citizen test. And this training, like they have you pass canine good citizen and then they take you even further. And then for insurance purposes, liability, he would need to be certified through an organization. Um, the most popular one in our area is Therapy Dogs Alliance or Alliance of Therapy Dogs. And then that is even more than just the training. They would actually send a person out. I would have to take him to either like a store setting or a hospital and he would have to pass the test through them as well to be certified through them. Was our school liability insurance saved by any of this? Was there any comments on that stuff? Yeah. I know if he's certified through one of those organizations, they provide yes, insurance as well. I would, I would say that we use the same company that the other schools are using. It's pretty common in our And I think there's probably quite a few schools that have therapy dogs. I don't know. Yeah, we don't see it as much in this area. Um, when I went to the Iowa School Counselors Conference and had lunch with different counselors throughout the state, Eastern Iowa has a ton of them, um, even the Des Moines schools, and they actually have adopted board policies for their dogs just because the pure number of them is so many. But it'd be things like the grooming, they had to meet grooming requirements through the board, um, like vet checks, all of those little things. One thing that is kind of interesting too. So I wondered, one of my questions was if a student is highly allergic or super afraid of dogs, like how do you integrate that? And all of the people I talked to said, you'd send a waiver home first. And if the parent said, no, I do not want the dog around my child, then the dog is not allowed around the child. And with the grooming and stuff, um, as long as his, as far as allergies go, as long as his grooming is up, kept, you know, a bath once a week, brushed every other day, then the likelihood of allergens going out is very minimal. Should you talk to it? Oh, sorry. Well, I was just going to ask, what, what are the estimated training costs? It is, for the program I found, it was about $2,100. That's cheaper than I thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. And there's, I mean, there's a lot of grants out there that you could apply for, but that also included the dog. I already own the dog. And I'm, I mean, I'm going to continue to own him. I'm going to continue to keep up on his vet costs and stuff just because he is our family pet. So are you hoping the board though will pay for the training? Or are we I would be very grateful for that. Um, otherwise, I would, I would probably do some fundraising otherwise. But I mean, I know my husband and I have talked. It will be a commitment for one of us to be in Des Moines every week for six to eight months. Well, I'll be honest. I'm Obviously, most people know here, I'm familiar with dog training. Uh, $2,100 is cheap. That is the cheap end of owning a dog. You will spend a lot more money owning the dog, maintaining the dog, dog food costs, vet costs. Travel um, time. Exactly. So um, I think this is a great thing. 
I, to, to me, I would think a, a, a child that's having an emotional breakdown, bring a dog in a lot of times, you know, will be a feeling of distraction to take their mind off whatever's bothering them. So I think it's a great thing. So I'm definitely on board. And I have used, um, with the permission of a parent, with her child, we've used my dog as a reward. Mrs. Halberg was on board and everything. He's been in, I think, two or three times this school year. And to see that boy's face light, light up. And he has dogs of his own at home, but something about, you know, a dog traditionally isn't at a work environment or at a school. And he just thought that was the neatest thing ever. And Scott will lay and let the kids brush him. Um, he's got toys that he'll fetch up and whatnot. So he's very interactive with the kids as well. Have you had a lot of conversations with teachers? I'm just curious to hear what their feedback is. Yeah, I took Scout this summer to uh, like a basic dog obedience. And the lady that did the class has the two therapy dogs in the Alta Aurelia district. And she trained them herself and went through that whole process, but she also has 30 years of experience with her. So I follow her on Facebook too. She just posted something the other day about a ELL student taking one of the standardized tests, not having much English background, and the dog was in the room and could sense her anxiety. And she made eye contact with the dog and kind of called him over and he came and just put her head right on, put his head right on her lap. So I think just experiences like that where they can, they have that intuition and they can sense it would be super beneficial to our kids. Mr. Hughes, do you have any thoughts on this? I only have, I think it's okay. I only have one experience. We tried to do it at one of the schools I worked at. The dog, actually, the pain was much more than what you're talking about. But then when the dog got back, he did something. And so could school save Now, in that situation, the district didn't put up any money. It was, that was a donation that we had. So first we donated the money. Because I don't think that person would be keeping the dog. So the teachers kept the dog there for the teachers. <clears throat> I love dogs too. Um, I'd like to think it works, uh, but you know, my concern would be you already own the dog, you're going to take care of the dog. Um, if for some reason it didn't work out, there's a place that it's going to go. But if you know, those policies that you talked about from other schools, if you could get samples of those. We're finding so we can look at some policies to have in mm -hmm. place. Appreciate that. And you said there's a waiver where people can sign off. So that would have to be part of our registration materials. Right. And there was a lot of training um, as far as the dog coming into the classrooms, a lot of training with the kiddos to stay calm and not have anything explosive, especially as the dog is getting used to the environment. So I thought that was interesting, something I hadn't kind of thought of. It doesn't just so they'd be assigned yeah, yeah. a day in a place, do you think? Or because I think this dog would be in the office a lot of times, you have a little area that. Right. It would be something that we would have to um, discuss fully. I'm obviously willing to be a handler, but I also have two special ed teachers that said they would be willing to help in the training process and handle as well in case I were in a classroom where the dog couldn't be or called to a different situation or if they had something going on, they could 
take the dog. But a lot of those board policies said the dog must be with a trained handler at all times. It's not like a teacher could just check him out for the day. So there are other people willing to um, help me handle as well. Well, you've talked to me about this, the idea of it, and I'll be really important. I appreciate that. If um, if the board sees these sample policies, things like that, and we want to go ahead with it, um, if we give you that nod next month or whatever, is that okay for your training? Or when does the training start? Or yep, it can start whenever. Okay, it's not like there's certain start nope. dates or anything. No, nope. we had them evaluated, I believe it was in November. and. They have stayed on top of me asking if I have a decision for them yet. But yeah, since it starts as independent courses with the dog, and then you just kind of push in wherever the group is at. So whoever's doing this training, uh, do you feel confident that if, you know, like for example, when I used to train dogs, if I felt the client's dog was, you know, this dog was not going to make it, I tried not to waste my client's money and told them in a pretty quick time that, hey, you know, this, this, this isn't going to work. I'm not going to explain. Did they, did they express the same thing that? Yep. And that's why we took him down originally for kind of a temperament assessment. But that is the focus of the first few classes too, the independent classes is, will this work out? Now, I don't know if we got halfway through and they said he wasn't a good fit. I mean, monetarily what would happen with that but they I feel confident that they would good. be clear on if it's good or not good and I know it's going to take a lot more work on my end than the trainer's end. I think all my questions were answered but I think it's a great thing um, obviously I've seen a lot of it with the VA side um, it's amazing it helps you know my my experience is more with veterans and stuff, stuff that they've been exposed to and how, and they're becoming huge in animals, not just for PTSD or anything, it's all sorts of things. Um, so I think it'd be a great thing for the social and emotional kids. Right. So I agree. I think we need to bring this up as an action item in March. So if we get some policies, um, if there's a contribution that you're hoping for, I, I would just need to know that so that I can make that known to the board. So the board can uh, act on it and it will be one month from tonight, so March 21st. Perfect. Right. Sounds good. Thank, Thank you, you guys. Thank you. Okay. So every five years, districts are required to do some type of a needs assessment. And uh, Iowa Association School Boards had a needs assessment that I've used in other, other school districts. And so this year, I took some of their questions and just created our own needs assessment without paying for that extra cost for that. So most of the questions are um, pie graphs. And as you can see in here, the first one, um, the percent is students, about 12 or 13, uh, board members and staff was 33%, uh, and then community members, 57% of it. We had 175 people take the survey. 
And then honestly, as soon as Beth put it on, I'd say within 24, 36 hours, we had 160 responses. And then the last week, we got 50 or more. So questions, current level of student achievement is about what you would expect. A lot of the responses, and this is why Tammy, when I visit with her about some articles of things that we're doing, if we could get more information, there were lots of neutrals. So I'm taking some of that if people just don't know. You can scroll down. PSCAC does not make excuses. Again, 50% were neutral on that. And there's a shared understanding that was pretty close. It was a little more positive on that, what we we're trying to improve. People feeling like they have a voice. A lot of the bottom you'll see are not perfect third, 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 but there's a lot of split this way. High standards. That one is almost a perfect split, third, third, third. That one bothers me a little bit because I would like to have people believe that we have high standards here. Virtually all students can learn at high levels. That also is a little concerning, um, thinking that about 40% are neutral on that. Areas are missing. So 50% felt that there's areas missing in our current curriculum. Student learning needs drive our teacher professional development. Next, engage in learning tasks, uh, whether they're actively, again, kind of neutral. Is there adequate time for teacher collaboration? So we look at their calendar. Um, only, a, only about four of us there was. Student achievement barriers such as poverty and lack of family support can be overcome. That also is a little bit troublesome, you know. We, I don't care who you are, all students should have an opportunity to learn. We need to focus major attention on improving our profession. The next two, parents and community must be partners and then local school boards can impact their school system. Those two receive the highest positive. So the, the role that you play as board members, that is important. And going back to some of Kevin's data about communication, just again, providing communication to parents and having that positive connection. Leadership, but again, about 50% are neutral and a quarter were positive and a quarter were negative. Our measurements that we use, similar as to the question above. Parents are informed. So it does sense that most parents feel like they're getting communication. Rigor and content. Uh, again, we have, we're Iowa Core is what we use here in the state of Iowa. And, and again, a large percentage don't know that they were neutral on that. Next three questions were where you could pick something. So the top priority, uh, so that 22.3, a lot of people want college and career readiness yet as far as what that they feel is their priority here. Then the six, the green and the blue, what was the green one down there? The 16%. Parental involvement. Parental involvement no, wait, no. Student achievement. Student achievement was second one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then the last one was over. reading, maybe. No, there's another group. Hold on. Individual needs. Oh, you're yeah, right. Yep, yep, yep. 
So then what do we do? Well, this one is an interesting one. So you scroll to the next one. They felt that we did a pretty decent job of communication, but there's a scattering. And what do you need to change? And what would you guess? Communication was the highest. So it really was the person's perception whether or not we provided enough communication. Then the last were just comments that people made. I'm not gonna read through all the comments because a few of them named names. And I'm not gonna share that at the board meeting, but. 60 people or so uh, made comments about, about the school. Yeah, that was one of them that wasn't real positive. Real short and to the point though. So administratively, we just looked at it last Friday for the first time. We'll continue to evaluate the data that we received. Um, as I said, trying to get some more communication about professional development is one of the first steps that we've taken. Do you have statistics from five years ago on that? I don't know that you did it five years ago. Well, we were supposed to. You were, you were supposed to have a need assessment, whether it was this one or a different kind, I don't know. But I, I wasn't here, so I don't know the data. I'm That's all I got unless there are other questions on it. Is there anything well, you all have access to it, so you can read the comments. And if you've got things that you see as, as highlights, certainly visit with me and I'll share them in an administrative meeting. All right, we'll move on to action items. First up is the consent agenda. Four items on the consent. Bills, no policies. No policies, and then the trust fund. And just FYI, so that is an old wall, I think, this Lemagosh Trust appointment. And it was designated that the school board at that time would have been the Wallach School Board was to appoint somebody to the trust. So I was contacted by um, my minister uh, that uh, Chuck is, is stepping down from that and they need to appoint somebody. And so he asked if I would be interested in helping to serve on that. And I'd be fine with all one or two meetings a year, he said. Uh, the school's not received any benefit, but again, it was set up on the trust that the board was supposed to appoint that. budget guarantee, we do this annually, uh, you approve the guarantee, and then if for some reason, you know, years that you've had large declining enrollment, there's a little bit of a stopgap with this guarantee that, that doesn't uh, make you feel all the pain at one time. It uh, doesn't look like we're going to fall on the budget guarantee this year because of SSA and we have a little student growth this year, uh, but there's no harm in doing it. If for some reason legislation changed what SSA was for some reason, uh, once you approve this, John will send it to the Department of Management. If they need it, fine. If they don't need it, they just throw it away. So moved. Any resolutions in your practice that we'll bring yeah. up? Our second. 
motion and a second to approve the budget guarantee. All of those in favor? Aye. Uh, opposed? So, uh, as you've worked with me the last couple of years, I'd like to have the board set various levies next month. We would have all our budget hearing. And so I, I need to make a correction from what I'd sent out in a note. Um, first one is a cash reserve levy. So the $165,000 number, that is for new open enrolled out students, increased enrollment for English language learners. We've done that every year. You approved those last fall. Last year was 134,000, this year it's 165,000. At a minimum, I, you need to approve that part because we're paying that. The second part of cash reserve is cash flow. And uh, I'd sent a note out that was 250,000 last year. I had requested 250, but then when I looked at my March agenda for next year, we actually only ended up approving 175. So there must've been some question last year and we reduced that down by 75,000. So instead of 250, the actual cash reserve levy last year was 175. I'm asking for 100,000 there. John and I did a small calculation today. For every 10,000 that you would take off cash reserve, it would reduce the levy by two cents. So the 100,000 would drop at 20 cents. Okay. And we'll go through all these and then we've got questions about them. The next is the instructional support levy that directly impacts the general fund. It's divided up between an income surtax, and we do the minimum here of 1%, a little bit of state aid, and then the large majority comes in property taxes. And it nets about $513,000 for the district. You do not want to do that because that reduces spending authority. So do not reduce instructional support levy to 10% maximum. The next is the management levy. So management covers early retirements, insurance premiums, unemployment, and if you'll recall last year, we got into that natural gas contract. And so that's something that, uh, you know, we've been held a little bit harmless with the increases of natural gas. Now, what the prices are going to be next year, I don't know, but we feel you need to increase that from 400000 to 550000 because of, and last year insurance costs went up substantially. So when I was talking to Sharon down there at Arriva today, uh, they told us that it estimate 14 to 20% increase in property and those kinds of insurance costs for this year. The next item is our PEPL. So there are two parts of a PEPL. That stands for physical plant equipment levy. The first part's the 33 cents. That's the board portion that you've been able to approve all these years. Every time you've done a budget hearing, you can put the 33 cents on. Almost every school district in the state of Iowa does the 33 cents. Then the, then the final part of PEPL is the voter PEPL. Remember, the voters passed a dollar levy here. We could have done a dollar 34, but we set that at one dollar. Because property values have increased in, in our school district, both of those generate more money than they did last year. Again, I would not reduce the PEPL. I would not reduce management. I would not reduce instructional support. And I would not take off the first part of the cash reserve. If anything that you want to play with would be the $100,000 for cash flow. We are in a better position cash flow wise than we were a few years ago. But we hadn't borrowed any money this year and it doesn't look like we will have to, right, John? No. Can you give me a guess, John? Just be a guess. What natural gas has been this year since we started that? How the natural gas? What do you think it would be? I mean, nobody knows. Yeah. I think we, I think we paid. 
80 or 90,000. So that was based on last year's number. I remember and if I use, less than 100, that's mm -hmm. And I have a look, but I'll bet you we've spent that already yeah. with a couple, three months to go here, would be my guess. And the only difference would be that we didn't offer early retirement this year. No. So, we had about 40 or so last year. How about 40? Maybe 40. Okay, I was going to ask that. But recall insurance if what yeah, they tell yeah, me insurance is that scary could yeah. go up. We do have some money sitting there. It's not really broken. Yeah. I'll, I'll just ask. So. Unless there are any questions about any of those levies, and if you wanted to change them, I would recommend approval of setting the cash reserve and structural support management couple levies. My thing would be is I'm always looking out trying to save taxpayers something. Levy will go down. The rate will go down. The rate will go down. The tax out of everybody's pocket goes up. Yeah, that I guarantee. So, and I know that that's going to be the case in Sac City. I believe it's going to be the same as far as the city of Sac, the city of Lakeview. I don't know about Wall Lake. Their rate, their rate, their rate will be the same as Wall Lake. Well, that that means that they're going to get a share more money for valuation than I'm quite familiar with it. So that's just off the top of my head. And I know the county's going to go up. So. The only place I'd probably be looking after answering those the the uh, management fund questions I'd say would be that. Hundred grand or fifty grand or something. But we'd not put down to fifty if they could save a dime. Not, Dime's a dime. I'm just telling you. It's up the board, obviously. I'm just saying that they're. So if we cut it down, what do we risk? What is well, we never ran out of cash, right? We always were able to pay our bills. Yeah, cash is all, that's all it is. It's something that you can levy to make sure that you have enough for operations. Right now, our cash, you did have to borrow a few years ago, I thought, correct? Several years ago. Yeah. So when you get to the point that you have to borrow, that's one of the things that you can, you can issue a cash reserve. It's limited at 20% of expenditures from prior year our cash reserve cap this year we could we could ask for approximately a million dollars that's how much we still have the, the flexibility to ask for i can live without the cash reserve of a hundred thousand i'm telling you i can't live with changing the rest of them i think the rest all need to stay the same i i would agree with that because of if insurance is going to go up that's bad. And we don't know the natural gas company. Nobody does. So I, I bet natural gas goes up. Our city minister said insurance was going thirty percent. And cost of everything is going up. So how would you feel about switching management to six hundred and putting no cash in so we have a little more cushion? Yeah, I think there's cushion if I did. 
Only because we didn't. I mean, we're not going to have uh, early retirement to take my kids. Give me numbers, it's not the end of the world. What do you want? I'd take down the grand math. That's what I'd say if you better know. So. All right, so for if everybody's okay with that, cash reserve would be 165,642. Instructional support would be the one percent of income surtax and the, the rest in property taxes listed. Management would be at five hundred and fifty thousand, and then we would also have the thirty-three cent and the one dollar So First item would be to set those various levies, and then the next item is we'll set the budget hearing. Okay, I'll make the motion to set the levies as presented. Second. Motion second to accept the and approve the levies as Jeff just read. All of those in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Carries. So a hearing date. The governor has signed 2.5 percent state supplemental aid. Um, so I think we could hold the hearing on March 21st. Otherwise, we'd have to move the April board meeting up a week because we have to have this done by April 15th. So last year, the levy rate was $11.93. This year, I don't know the exact number, but since we took that 100000 off, it's going to be $11.37, $11.36, something like that, whatever the 20 cents is decreased. You want to hold the meeting? Do you want to hold April? I mean, uh, March in SAC? Then, yeah, we just need to change it to SAC City. Are you good with that? Yeah. Okay. The motion would be to set the budget estimate as discussed and have our public hearing March 31st, 6 o'clock at the moment. March 21st. 21st? Yeah, 21st. A week or a month from today. Inside. Now, when you see the, when you read Dale's paper, so when you see the budget hearing, so what John will do now, once we've set what our proposed levy is at, you're going to see three columns. You're going to see the actual, what we actually spent last year. You're going to see a re-estimated column. That's what we think we're going to spend this year. Okay. So, what we'll try to do is we'll try to refine that to get more closely to what we believe this year. And then you're going to see the proposed budget column for next year. That's the one where you're trying to build capacity. So it doesn't mean you're going to spend every dime. I use the old Bill Garner philosophy. Some people don't like it, but if you show as much capacity in that third column, it helps prevent having to hold a budget amendment if we needed to hold a amendment here. Uh, so John, when he does that, he doesn't show spending every dime in every cat in every um, budgetary category that you have. That is different than the way that I used to do it. Not saying that one way is right or wrong, uh, but people just have to understand there's an actual column, a re-estimate column, and then there's a budget column that you're trying to build capacity. And you'll hear anything until somebody gets their tax for <laughs> That's when you hear. 
Well, you didn't tell us. Well, you tried. I kind of did. I'll move to set the budget hearing 6 p.m. March 21st. Parking lot, the greatest discussion item that we've had about this project since trying to get water to go around the elementary building seems so we've gone a long time without having to deal with big major change orders. So as a reminder, our parking lot sits quite a bit higher than what our building sits currently. And we were going to have steps come down that were going to be very wide. We had to put in, I don't know if they call the switchback, but basically we had to put in this thing that for, for ramps so people didn't go down the steps, um, creating uh, a great sense of maintenance, especially when we had snow cleaning the steps. And so we've talked and discussed what can we do to, to make that better, make it more accessible. And so we've met with uh, the contractors and the contractor has stated that we can knock it down. It's about three more feet, would you say, John? It's about 30 inches, maybe. 30 inches to get it closer to the level of the Boag building. So it's still not gonna be flat, but we could put in a, then we could meet code with the ramp that we would need as far as so we could get rid of steps. And there'd be a, the slight incline that's still handicapped accessible. And we would go back to about, there's some telephone poles or some light poles about in the middle of the lot. And it would still be, yeah, middle of the old lot. And so baiting construction has said, he feels it'll be close to 60,000, but he promises it would not go over 75,000. Uh, but really feeling it'd be closer to that number. We have asked him, the original plan had the sidewalk at six or 10 feet. We asked him to make it a little wider. Just again, so if people are leaving, it's a little bigger uh, sidewalk going out the building. Now's the time to change it. You will not be able to change it down the road very easily. Um, I think it would make, again, a better place if we drop that down. Even in talking to the person who poured concrete, I visit with him today. He goes, what do you think the board will, will approve it or not? I said, I believe they will. He goes, well, I never did understand the steps the way you guys were making that. So I think even the guy who's doing the concrete work thinks it's a better option than what we've got. Is this an additional cost? Do we get any kind of reduction from the not building steps, not putting in the ramp, all that stuff? Well, I think that's what Tony's including. I haven't got it. He wouldn't isolate it out and tell the board that yeah or nay. Because I asked originally, could we get an itemized item and they wouldn't do that. Yeah, I mean, this is a change order, so they have the ability to do whatever they want. But mm -hmm. the thing is, in order to build those steps mm -hmm. and in order to build that ramp, it was going to cost X amount of dollars, mm -hmm. I guarantee it. And it wasn't going to be cheap. Mm -hmm. So that would be my only concern. I want to do the parking lot correctly. I want it to be easier to maintain, all that stuff. I'm fine with all that, but I'm just wondering. Seventy-five thousand doesn't sound crazy to me, but I don't exactly know what that. You guys have been more involved in what that's going to entail. 
I wanted right. to try to go outside the contract and just work with the guy that was gonna, who took away all the dirt to begin with. Yeah. Well, they didn't, I think you were here that they didn't like that idea because now if it doesn't work right, who's at fault? Just the guy or is it still baiting who's doing all the work? So that's why I kind of relented and said, let's stick with baiting. So that way, if it's not right, we still have somebody to go back onto it. The guy can't say, well, it wasn't mine, it wasn't mine, it wasn't mine. So I guess my question is, if if, uh, if we sit back and say, we're not really agreeing to anything because it says 75 max, 60,000 maybe as a guess, is that a change order that's going to be an additional cost or whatever else? Or what do you mean, like whatever else? Well, like you said, there's there was a price. We never saw a price mm -hmm. of the steps in the ramp. Mm -hmm. But do they just not have to do the steps in the ramp mm -hmm. and then charge another six grand? When we make change orders, you never get all the money back that you started with. Yeah, <laughs> you're probably correct. And so I I think I understand what you're trying to say, but we don't know what that price was because baiting worked that guy with the concrete guy. Just visit with the contractor to see if we could do it outside. He gave me a number at least as high he thought it would take to move the dirt. Well, I feel like they're working with it. Yes. Okay. And I'm not saying they're not. Yeah, that's I am. Not I understand. That's not what I'm trying to say at all. I'm just yeah. saying that. No. Once we approve, if we approve this, the back engineering is the company that lays it out. They're going to have some cost about four or $5,000 for their design of this. That's outside of this $60,000. We haven't had a lot of change orders. I don't want the parking lot to be wrong. I don't want it to be, I want it to be easier to maintain, be a good end result. Whether it's the first end result or not, you don't know that until you've actually been here 10 years and like, well, we should have done this, we should have done that. It's not a crazy amount to me, so I'm okay with moving forward with it with the reservations that I've stated. But I, there's really we're we got to have tight on this deal. Country guy just like a habit that's me. Nobody wants to build steps. Ram's way easier than steps. I'll guarantee you that. We've had some minor things, and I told Scott that you know we've got a few things to bring back to you to have you officially approve, but we're still one well under those contingency numbers that we've established. Well, I don't want to be a tight ass on the money now. If I'm if it's something we can do, let's let's do it. Do it what we think is right. Hopefully, it ends up being closer to right than what we have. And if you put in your motion that will pave the whole thing by the time we get that, done, will not happen. Oh, okay. <laughs> It would be nice to have a table. It would, it would be nice. <laughs> That's why we're going to hopefully stay under, right? So we can yes. add that on at the end. Yes. Yeah, because I'm a maintenance guy told me that it would be better if we concrete because the floors will. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. 
Not that I like that we haven't had any snow, but for having kids park way in the back this year, it's been kind of nice. nice. It's been a lot of snow. Good for the kids, that's for sure. So what do you need a motion on that or what? Yes. What am I, not to exceed 75,000? Correct. Yes. So moved. Second. So, Dale, we have some contract things, resignations, and contracts that we can approve. Um, then come going to closed session. We may have to come back to contract stuff, or we can do the closed session first. What do you want us to do? Well, we could do those items and then it, the one extra item, John could call you if you're all right with that. Okay. All right. So let's jump down to resignations. Um, and we're going to take care of resignations and contracts as we have them right now first. So you had six teacher resignations. Each of those came in before February 15th. So they would qualify for that $500 notification bonus. You have one resignation for a Schedule B yearbook sponsorship. And then we have a resignation of a custodian that will happen in June. And then I have one termination of an associate that I am recommending. Then as far as contracts, negotiations, um, and Jackie, Brent, and John can speak up, but they were very um, palatable. Um, it was a very simple process. We met two times. Uh, John and I met with the uh, negotiating team a little bit outside just to address some questions, but went very easy. I agree. So we do have your teaching contracts and your Schedule B coaching contracts. I have a part-time associate there, um, another few associates it looks like we have there, and then I know we had adjusted Phil earlier, but that, that adjustment got into what he was already making last year. So I'm recommending that we would make that adjustment so he shows an increase in his salary for taking on those extra duties as a maintenance director. So unless there are any questions, I would recommend approval of those resignations and contracts. The contracts, the goal will be then on March 15th to issue teacher and coaching contracts. Um, so prior to the next board meeting, we have that little signing bonus thing that we did last year that we would also provide the staff if they turn in those contracts within seven days. Roughly $700 a person that will be issued. Last year? Yes. That's within seven days. Uh, ended up about 280 because a few people didn't turn them in. So, yeah, it was a little more. Second. Second to approve the resignation and contracts as listed. All of those in favor? Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. So the next uh, board meeting, again, on the 21st, we've received our annual audit. So John and I are starting to review that. That will be on the agenda. For sure, the calendar hearing will be on the agenda. The budget hearing will be on the agenda. And then um, 
Also, the goal would be to have classified and administrative contracts in March. So with everybody an understanding, we're going to go into closed session and then after we come out of closed session, they could have one personnel item that they'll deal with. Otherwise, we're just going to adjourn the meeting tonight and we will be done. If there's a personnel item, John will let you know. You don't need me to come back and finish you it turn up. it off, we're done. Yeah, we do yeah, if somebody can read in their packet the closed session motion number 17. I move that we hold a closed session as provided for section 21.51i of the Code of Iowa to evaluate professional compensated individual who has requested a closed session. Has that request been made? Yes, yes, yes. Second. Second. Yeah, I have a motion and a second. Mark? Yes. Lori? Yes. Uh, Jackie? Yes. Brent? Yes. Seven, 10.